space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, a new civilization, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim. With me, of course, is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And Dr. Squee. Frag on! You see? When you're greeting, I think it's going to catch on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it'll it'll work whether or whether you're not dressed as a dragon. Also great for audio. Actually, I mean, I should... Ex yeah, for anyone who's listening on audio, I am dressed as a, a, a dragon. I say that I actually usually put on a human suit. This is what I naturally look like. So I've just stripped buck naked to my natural dragon glory right now. Yeah, <laughs> I can believe it. Uh, so we've got a big bumper episode this week. Um, we've got two episodes of Prodigy. And then we don't usually do this for Prodigy. Uh, we usually do it for Lower Decks, where an episode sort of leads us down a little rabbit hole into Star Trek history. Uh, but this, these last two weeks' episodes of Prodigy led us to the outrageous O'Connor, which we thought was worth covering at this point. Um, yes. So we'll, we'll come back to Return to Grace probably next week. We will. We will cover all of the Dominion War at some point. I just thought, <laughs> look, if they just done one episode with O'Connor, I could have turned a blind eye. I could have saved us this madness. But two, a two-parter with him... It needed to be done. Yeah, it just it to. yeah. It well, exactly. And uh, I think we said in our chat, like you know, it's probably the only time we'd do it by choice. So, um, yeah. you know what? It's not that bad for season two next gen. It it's not the worst. Um, it's all right. Nothing about it makes any sense. But it's 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 a it's an okay watch for an hour. Yeah, for season two TNG. Oh, for season two, it's it's bloody blinding. Yeah, it's, it's far, far worse. <laughs> I mean, he was saying about uh, Loud as a Whisper, which my uh, um, Netflix tried to put on just, just straight away afterwards. I'm like, oh, no, you don't. No. I'm not covering that one until we have to. Nope, can't be doing with it. Um, I won't I repeat. I don't know if you noticed on Netflix, it's not the remastered version. Is it not? No. no. I noticed how grainy the picture was today when I was re-watching... Oh, oh, I actually thought it yeah. looked really good. Are you sure it just want your internet were a bit naff? No, I... it was. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe Paramount have like pinched them back for their streaming service. Like, if you want yeah. good quality Star Trek, you've got to come to Paramount. Netflix can have the old it. ones. Is there next gen on Paramount? Because. Is what? Only just Paramount. Is is uh, next gen on Paramount? All of Star Trek is on Paramount except for the ones that aren't. <laughs> yeah, clear as that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they're losing the films again because they're renting them out to HBO Max or something in America. Um, so no idea what's going on. Anyway, anyway, come on, we've got loads to talk about. So Crossroads, the episode of Prodigy, and. Now, this is the weird benefit of doing what we've done this time by skipping a week and we get a bit more context to things. So, the Diviner's still, like, sort of rehabbing, but he can't remember everything. And then this young Trill Ensign comes up to him and she says something like, 
you are an eternal blah, blah, blah. And then he goes off and says something. And the first time you watch it, you just think, oh, he's remembering stuff. But then given what happens at the end of the next episode, you're like, was that kind of a trigger fa- phrase that she fed him to deliberately trigger his memories? I think I didn't it was. even think of that. I didn't even think of that, but there were so many bits which when I was watching the second time, it was like, oh, that bit, that, you know, there's a bit where she sees dull, where the reaction on her mm. face is like, there just seemed more to the reaction, but I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, which when you really... What's happening, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird. There's a couple of bits where I'll... I'm not sure if it works, but we'll sort of talk about them as we get to them because I was like, mm, yeah, nah. but Captain's Log then, and we said this loads when we covered Discovery that they didn't do enough Captain's Logs, and this shows how great the Captain's Log can be as an exposition device because yep. we don't do a previously on, but we get Dal saying. Right, Captain's Log, we've got this weapon, we're trying to get rid of it, we're going to abandon the ship. Oh, and Murph's going through some changes as well. And you're like, perfect, that's what you can use it for, is to just catch everybody up on what's been going on. Yeah, it takes 30 seconds. If that, yeah. Yeah, and it's more interesting than doing previously on. If you can contain it within the episode, that's even better, you know. And I've got to say, this two-parter is just a real good demonstration of how... Uh, Prodigy isn't afraid to burn through plot because there's some stuff going mm. on in these two parties. You could spend so many episodes getting to this point or getting through everything they do in this two-parter. But they're like, no, let's just make it really hot, really enjoyable yeah. TV. Let's yeah. make it dynamite pace. And it just, I, I'd say even more than Strange New Worlds, this to me is like the original series for the the heart, the kind of like adventure, the uh, simple storytelling and it never winks at the camera, which, you know, I like Strange New Worlds. I kind of like it when they do a little wink at the camera occasionally. But they never did that in the original series, and they don't do it here either, and it just feels so cool. Oh, they did do winks at the camera all the well, time in the original not series. Not purposely. I think that Nearly was just their cheesy acting. Episodes when they tell a joke at the end in the last oh, yeah, do and freeze. <laughs> I've always taken that as, as being meant seriously at the time, but now we see it as kind of like when they do the overtop laughs. Obviously, that looks silly now, but I think they were doing that sincerely at the time. It's no, kind of, they were doing it to the camera. It's kind of like that bit in Austin Powers, isn't it, where they all do the evil laugh, but then the camera lingers a little bit too long and it stays with them. <laughs> and they're just sort of calming down from the laugh, like, oh, oh. <laughs> Maybe um, it's more like what I remember the original series being like when yeah. I watched it as a kid. Because you don't pick up on any of that stuff. So I guess it, it takes me back to that feeling. But no, you guys are right. I can't Which episode is it? It's not Trouble with Tribbles. There's there's a, another episode where they do the fake laugh at the end, but they absolutely like dial it up as far as it can possibly go. And I think yeah. at one point, Scotty like falls over with laughing. It's that ridiculous... And- I think I'm thinking the same one because I don't remember which episode it was from. But I think like Kirk does this sort of belly slap to one of them, like going, <laughs> and I think he does that a couple of times. It, it lasts that long. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But it does make you wonder, like, what will happen if the camera lingers? Do they do they just calm down and go, "Whoa, good one, Spock." <laughs> anyway, so they do bury the ship then, and there's quite a sort of nice bit with Janeway where you know she's like, "Go find the real me." Foreshadowing, ironically, she'll be loads of help to you. 
And, and it is quite touching that she's like, you know, I'll see you when you get back and it could be like, a million I years. I think at the end that the real Janeway is going to be really helpful. I think she is. realises what's yeah. going on. Well, let's face it, even though she doesn't know what's going on, she's like, well, these are kids. Like, let's, you know, we can't just open fire at them. And it's it's wonderfully Starfleet. They don't rush over that. You know, them, the whole crew, whole crew of the other ship, which Janeway's on, they're all so pleased when they manage to solve the day without killing these kids. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> there's some shows I don't think would do that as deftly. And she's definitely getting there by the end of these two episodes, isn't she? She's starting to think, actually, these kids might not be bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I like that moment, because you did have that moment earlier where you got um, her with Dal. No, not Dal, um, with um, the guy. Um, what's the name of the main guy? Uh, the, the diviner, Dal. Jane no, it's Dal. Ah. The, the captain of the kids, the, the, that star, oh. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, sorry. I, I, I thought I, I talked myself out of it. Anyway, I like the bit because you've had that moment of him with Janeway. I think that's planting some seeds as well. I reckon that's all about the fact that she knows, like, she's had a conversation with him. I think that's her kind of like getting that he's really a good guy at heart. She doesn't know what's going on, but I think she kind of senses something partly due to that conversation. Yeah, I think so, and I, I do think yeah. that's where we're going to end up, is that we'll get one of them, you know, where you've got your heroes, and they're a little bit antagonistic to each other at first, but then they team up together at the end. Yeah, I, I, and I also think, I mean, this was after Janeway being a real dick about that guy who was the eyewitness, because she's mm. going, it's like, uh, where is he? Oh, not very starfleet. What, he's fucking five minutes late? Like, maybe find out what happened. No, he might have because no, it does show that even from orbit, she'd been trying to signal him and he'd taken off his badge and all that. She, she doesn't want to check what's happened. She doesn't want to check what's happened before she gets all darky about him. Jeez. Uh, no, I agree it's with her. Place. I I do think we've got like a yin and yang thing, and it's the yin and yang of people who are left alone on Starfleet bases, and on the the bad end of the spectrum, you've got this geezer. But then on the good end, we've got our mate with the parrot from Discovery. Yeah, we love that guy. We do. He needs his own spin-off. Him and the parrot. But I'm right, well, it's him, Admiral Silver Daddy Bear, and Tilly. That's the show I'm pitching still. Right. That's your Starfleet Academy show, as far as I'm concerned, is those three. Why does Parrot Guy, does he get sent back to the Academy? Like, well, yeah, he's mo- done such stellar work, he's not going to get left on that station anymore. He was one of the people responsible for bringing the Federation back together. True. He's got to get a promotion out of that. Yeah, he's, he's going to be place. teaching classes. I'm with you on this week. Yeah, he let, he kept the fires alight for so many years. Like, probably no decades he was there with that parrot clock. No, yeah, you've won me round. So I think, yeah, he he's like a guest lecturer that if you take Manning Abandoned Starts Bases 101, he comes on and he goes, right then, lesson one, you need the parrot. I, I like to think the show opens on him giving a lecture about, and for all those years I stayed at my post, just willing Starfleet back into existence, and thusly the Federation came back. Like, you know, that's the big <laughs> hero speech at the beginning, and then yeah. Tom comes in. And it's like, you know, right, well, you need your parrot, and you need a little flag of the Federation that you can press a button and it unfurls dramatically. Yeah. They're yeah, the two yeah. things that you need. And then he does the cautionary tale of, well, there was another guy who did it hundreds of years ago, and, <laughs> ooh, Captain Janeway oh. didn't like him. 
So anyway, we get introduced to our guest star then, which is the outrageous O'Connor. Was anybody asking for this? <laughs> no, I just I think is the one character no one has ever asked to see more of. No one's asked for him. And I I would venture to guess that there will be a lot of people watching this who have not picked up on the fact that this is a returning character. Sure. I mean, this is the thing. No one's asking for it. I don't know about you guys. I thoroughly enjoyed him in this two-part. I thought he was fine. I mean... He's yeah, he got an inbuilt rogue already. Why not reuse him? He, he, he's fine. obviously lost an eye at some point. No doubt there'll be a IDW Comics one-shot about how <laughs> O'Connor loses his eye. And he, he's a bit more rugged, yeah. a bit, a bit I older. I reckon it was done it. If you go to memory beta right now, I bet you there's fan fiction already there. <laughs> no, Worf did it. Worf did it? Why? Yeah. Do you want him to make him look like Martok or something? No, I just uh, had enough of him, so he took his eye out. I see, then, I'm not... Stop looking, at, stop looking at me like that, and he sorted it. See, I, I think you've read that scene wrong, because, we're, I mean, we'll talk about the episode in full later, but I will jump ahead for a minute, but... You're referring to the scene where Worf goes round to get O'Connor and he's in bed with yeah. the, the red-headed woman. And yeah. they just kind of look at each other and Worf just goes, Ooh, I would like to. And I'm not sure he's talking about fighting him there. I think there's a... <laughs> Honestly, what just what... what... I think th there's definitely something there, you know. Just give it, a, give it you a rewatch. Say, no, I'd like to join in. Well, maybe that's I, it. You see, I'm going to link your theories together. I reckon it was a crime of passion. All these years, Wolf's been thinking about him. He plucks out his eyes with his uh, battleth as an excuse that it was like, oh, he's dishonorable. But afterwards, he couldn't live with himself. And that's why he's a pacifist in Picard. Ah, uh, yeah, that's it. I killed O'Connor. <laughs> well, I ripped <laughs> his eye out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, this base then, so we've got O'Connor, who, I mean, there's a lot of Star Wars going on in these two episodes. So obviously, O'Connor was an attempt at Han Solo, because every sci-fi franchise wants a Han Solo. Well, they did at the time. I think they still do. If you watch most yeah. films, there's, there's the Han Solo archetype in a lot of films. You know, like, Captain Jack Sparrow is basically Han Solo dialed up a little bit. And, and so, you know, that... And I feel like this is their attempt at doing The Force Awakens Han Solo. Like, he's that little bit older, a little bit more world-weary. And I, I feel like that's where they were going with it. But it, it isn't quite got the reception that Harrison Ford got for returning to the role. <laughs> You think you think there aren't going to be people partying in the streets about O'Connor's return? Well, maybe, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm... You know, I, I, I'm with uh, Jim on this. That I bet a lot of people who watched this two-parter didn't realise O'Connor was no. a returning character. Probably not. But I mean, I, I, I do like the fact that even if it's not like you know, let's face it. It didn't have to be a recurring character, but it's like, we've got this character, why not reuse him? I thought it was kind of a fun thing for people who know. And yeah, also, absolutely. I love the fact I love the fact that they kind of like always use all parts of the beast. So they have him there as this roguish character who can come and go 
like as the plot suits but he's also uh, because he's a bit more experienced and he's a bit older he you know you get that jealousy between him and Dull. i think it's really well done i i do like mm. the fact they kind of like uh use a character for all it's worth on this show yeah i like the the tension with Dull definitely um I still don't get why they, they used her comment, but never mind, we'll get over it, we'll get over <laughs> it. Um, so, Gwyn bumps into this Trillenson then, and this is the bit that I'm not sure if this works in hindsight, because the Ensign's like, oh, you're Gwyn, Gwyn Dalla, that must be his daughter, oh, don't go anywhere, oh, he's been looking for you, and I'm like, knowing what we know at the end, would that really be what had happened between these two? Um, yeah, because the Trill won't know what's actually happened between the Diviner and Gwen. Okay. He'll just... Because he's not saying everything that's gone on, is he? No, true. Oh, he... So she's assuming, yeah, this is his daughter. Why wouldn't she want to be reunited with her father? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, okay. Cause, I, I mean, there, there's cause one Because he, he hasn't given any context of how he's lost his memory. All they've done is found him imprisoned. Oh, no, but I think because the person's come... So the troll ensign who turns out to be someone else at the end... I think because she's come back in time, though, it depends on what she knew when she travelled back. Yeah, I feel like she knows more than anyone else at this point. That That's certainly the impression that I got. I feel like she's maybe like the insurance policy that they, they sent back in time in case yeah. the Diviner didn't get the job done. And For half a second, I didn't even know if she was meant to be Gwen. I think... I think she is and she isn't. I think what she's meant to be, because Gwyn, we know, was like genetically created by the Diviner to be his offspring. So I assume that this person is the one that he made in his own time and then he's come back in time and made a new one, which is the Gwyn oh, that okay. we know. I was just assuming this is another memory species from the planet in the future. Yeah, I mean it's definitely that, but I wasn't sure if like maybe somehow it was Gwyn in the future. I think I, I think it's it's Gwyn Gwyn one, or assuming that the Gwyn we know is Gwyn two, or like like Doctor Sung with all these different gonna say. <coughs> different names and everything that he gives to all his different daughters. So I think this is the Soji to Gwyn's whatever yeah. the other one were called, Daj. That's my theory, anyway. We'll see if we're right. And then, yeah, Dal meets Janeway, and... I love that scene. Yeah, that was really good. And I do love, like, Kate Mulgrew's performance as the two different Janeways. Like, the the hologram Janeway's sort of much more maternal and softer, and older Janeway's clearly a bit more pissed off, and... Yeah. yeah, a bit more combat hardened. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I like the fact that she started off as that, and she started off as harsh Jane, harsh Admiral Janeway, who's seen more shit, you know. But then when she talked to him, she kind of softened. She remembers being a bit more um, maternal towards her. You know, I like the fact they kind yeah. of played that so that it kind of revealed the shades of her as she. What's also him. nice is 
that Ad Vice Admiral Janeway actually looks very much like Kate Milgrew looks now. Yeah. Yeah. They have they have uh, done it so that you could probably have live action Kate Mulgrew come back as Jane Wayne one yeah. of the series. Yeah. Oh yeah, and don't yeah. think she's not got her eye on that. All the Star Trek oh. actors now are rubbing their hands at they like. Well, I was gonna on. say, let's let you know, we can, can open this up to some uh, naturally occurring trick news amongst uh, talking about this because they've said that with the new series of Picard, it's uh, likely to have characters from, uh, you know, they're going to wrap up stuff from Deep Space Nine mm. and Voyager as well. So, yeah, I, lining up for Kate Mulgrew. I'm not convinced that from Voyager is has to be Harry Kim finally gets the <laughs> No, he must never be promoted. He is an ensign for life. I think, yeah, they, yeah, they should bring him in. He's still an ensign. <laughs> but I, I yeah. took I it. I keep on getting put forward for promotion, but every time fucking Admiral Janeway keeps blocking it. I think when they said it'll also continue DS9 and Voyager, to me, I feel like that's just kind of saying, well, it exists in that timeline, so technically... Um, oh, I, no, I, I think, I think one of the things that. that we all want to see is uh, what happens to Cisco. You see, there is an opening here. If they are doing this, like you know, uh, me, you know, we were talking about this during the week, and James was saying that um, he said about them having the uh, the thing which was opened up by the Borg at the end of the last series. Oh yeah, yeah. So if they're doing that, it's maybe that links into the wormhole aliens. You know, there's, there's ways of kind of linking. Maybe that would be yeah. really cool. I want it to link into the big extra galactic AI intelligence that turned up for two seconds at the end of season one of Picard and then disappeared. <laughs> what never never been heard of before and never since. Well, do we see, have to refer to anything from season one in Picard? Yes, we, we do. Season one's all right, apart from it was awful. Mm. Season Picard. one overcomplicated itself. It tried to do too much and couldn't tie it all up properly. True. Yeah, there was no plot idea. It was just throwing stuff at the wall, kind of like Chibnall and Doctor Who. Just saying. Oh, let's not open up the Chibnall and Doctor Who can of worms. We'll be here all day. I wouldn't go that far, Picard. <laughs> No, yeah, they didn't suddenly say, oh, well, actually, Picard lived a thousand lifetimes before yeah. his actual well, lifetime. actually, everything that happened in TNG wasn't, wasn't proper. This is or, what really happened. Or imagine they just said, Picard's suddenly a robot now. I'm just saying. They, 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 he they wasn't may have done suddenly quite the robot. a robot. <laughs> It, it was, you know, the, the, there was at least one scene in between him not being a robot and being a robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was, there was. And they rehashed Data. Actually, they did kind of retcon Data's death. Like, they did, they, they which, did as I've said before, I think that was the whole thing. I think Michael Chabon, who I think right. was the showrunner for season one, basically came into it saying, I want to tell a better Data's death story. Oh, but we've got to fill yeah. ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, some shit about the Bargain Romulans. Yeah, yeah, and then even though Riker's decided to uh, retire onto this planet and uh, cook pizzas, he's then going to complain, going, "What? You didn't think I'd stay behind and cook pizzas, did you? That's exactly what you, you did. That no one forced you to do that. That was your choice, man." Well, if you had yeah. stayed behind and cooked any more pizzas, Riker, the amount of time <laughs> you took, you might not have made it. I mean, anyway. 
If you want to hear our thoughts on the episode Nepenthe and Riker's um, <laughs> culinary skills, if you have a look through the podcast feed, it's on there. I think skills is a bit uh, stronger word. Possibly. Um, <laughs> so, I, I think you had to take this time cooking the pizzas in future because this doctor had, had a little I've had a lot to say about Riker's You have. <laughs> yeah. So there's a big... Or whack off. <laughs> there's a big car chase, which, again, this feels very, very Star Wars to me. Um, specifically the chase that they have in it's Rise. It's nothing like a one speeder. Um, it's very like them things that they're driving in Rise of Skywalker where <laughs> they've got the First Order chasing them. Oh, can I also just give a shout out just to the first officer for Janeway? Because mm-hmm. it's the uh, one that goes from Hamilton. Absolutely huge. I can't remember his name at the second, but he's the... Um... Oh God! I'm... Oh, I'll give him a shout out, but I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name. I now can't think of the character either. Oh yeah, Thomas Jefferson. That's the worst shout out. Thomas out that, that was a pretty bad shout out. I remember. I remember. That guy is sat there now <laughs> saying, "I've just Jefferson. been negged by Doctor Squee on the Retrek podcast." He plays Thomas Jefferson, and he was really good in it. And he was excellent. And I just think that he deserved. It just. It's and really his nice name is. It's not important right now. He played Jefferson. He was great as Jefferson. He was the best Jefferson ever, sir, ever. Very classy. Very good. Uh, no, he's great. Uh, but it's just nice to see um, Star Trek able to get that climate. Like, after doing Hamilton, you could go on any show you wanted. True. It's really nice to see. Very Stuff true. Like that going in Star Trek. It, you know what it is? And it's also elevated his profile now. He's practically a household name that everyone can just... That guy. No. Yeah, then yeah, you wouldn't forget his name. The yeah, yeah. It just rolls off your tongue. It does. Um, Thomas Jefferson, he likes to be known as these days. <laughs> yeah, it's gone to his head. <laughs> and Lafayette, he played. He also played Lafayette. I remember the other character he bloody played, but can I remember his actual name? No. So then I we get... Names. We then get a starship chase. So we get a land chase and a spaceship chase, which is great fun. I did like how... Um, the protostar came back up out of the ice. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> oh, and, and you also got uh, Janeway there going, it's like, uh, oh, brilliant, how much time's passed? I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're all right back. Same star date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like an hour. Tom. There's a, a lovely shot where you've got the Dauntless and the protostar sort of rises up in front of it and it shows that it just absolutely dwarfs it. I thought that was uh, a really, really cool. Even Hollow Jane was getting sarcastic at that point. It's like, oh, you're going to outrun that Dauntless class starship? Oh, good luck. And she also <laughs> finally answers one of our nagging questions, which is how is it getting everywhere? It's got a quantum slipstream drive. So there you go. There's your answer. We don't have to worry about it. Doesn't explain it's exactly it. the shape that the had in there. Uh, that that alien had. I know. I, what I like about it is it all ties up nicely as well. So, like, there's that moment when Dahl meets Janeway and he doesn't say anything. But you kind of do get, like, the enormity of that moment and he's really nervous and it just seems like... And he's a kid at the end. You know, he's still a young guy. Yeah. So it all makes sense why that's such a tense moment for him. Then when they're on the ship, they can't contact... Can't even contact them because of the... Um, the weapon, thing, because yeah. Because of the weapon. And then you've got, I mean, it, it's kind of slapstick, but I do like the moment where Murph just, just hits the button and accidentally fires the Well, I was... <laughs> I wanted to talk about this because it's 
it is just totally a fan theory. So, there's several scenes in TNG where Riker's just leaning on consoles. <coughs> and as a result of this, fans came up with a theory that, well, obviously, it isn't pressure that triggers the buttons, otherwise Riker would be launching torpedoes left, right and centre. It, it was that there's a glutinous maximus detector built into the consoles. Yeah, yeah so how can Murph sitting on it trigger it? Okay, so have you got a theory first? No. Jim, because I don't want to interrupt. Because, right, first of all, if you mash all the buttons on your phone, it doesn't always register because you're pressing more than one button at a time. So maybe it's the same kind of thing for mm -hmm. a start. Secondly, do you know the real reason why he was always leaning over stuff? Yes. Yeah. So it's because they, when they were filming it, so he could get in frame because he was so much taller than the rest of the crew. Yeah. So no, like, all the time that. when you have him crouched over, it's just, just so he could fit in frame, basically. But it's actually caused him his back problems. Well, yeah, he had a bad back, didn't he? But. Oh, okay. So that's why, that's why he, was... he sits down, buddy. That's yeah. why he sits down, how he does. Ah, but apparently, like, some of it was for framing as well, so they could get him in, otherwise he'd just, like, it would be Riker's neck down <laughs> to get him in the same frame as Picard. But, going by your theory, that if you're just mashing the buttons, so you're saying Riker's ass is too big, but, so does Murph have a little pointy thing on his his backside or something, then? Well, he's a gelatinous kind of like being. So how do we right. know which part of his body? Like pressure happens? points. We don't know what he's pressing the button with. And yeah, it's worth pointing out that Murph at this point has mutated into an almost human-looking thing. Yeah, we didn't get the wings that we were hoping for for the toys. No, yeah. see, I'm wondering now because we talked no end about why haven't we got Murph toys. Maybe because they knew that Murph was going to mutate into something else, so let's not fleece the fans by releasing one set of toys, then another set of toys. But that doesn't sound that like a unlikely. toy company. No, no, that, that sounds very unlikely. But maybe well, they are going to do a change. Now a toy turn inside out from one to the other. Oh, That's what I'm picturing. That's what I'm picturing. Ah, and so the reason they've not released them is because they've given away the metamorphosis early. Yes. Yes. But again, again, you could have you could have spaced this out over two series as opposed to one series as this obviously is. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but you could have had one series him being this, next series he's something else. He could transform into something. Well, maybe we're not series. done. Maybe Murph's gonna sort of repeatedly. Maybe this is just like an interim thing, and yeah. we haven't reached the final form yet. Well, maybe you'll get wings. Maybe Murph will sprout wings. So they end up this episode then in the, the neutral zone. And that's where we leave it. I was kind of hoping that the Romulan was going to be somebody we knew, like Sealer or Tomalock or something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and, and we have the proto-star damage because Janeway, to stop them, fires on the third nacelle. Yeah. Yeah, that was nicely done as well. And the, the, the third nacelle, again, allowing feed for this little extra bit of drama so they can still move somewhat, but it yeah. Yeah, cripples them. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. And so jumping straight into the next episode then, Murph's now got lightsabers. Well, this got me. Like, if you look at it, Murph's picked up two phaser cutters or something because they're repairing Lightsabers. Shit. Okay, lightsabers. 
And they're just and he's just running round cutting the ship to pieces, making it worse. Well, yeah, I mean I think the one thing we have proved security on this ship, not at the highest. Like A, they just nicked it like this. Then next of all, you've got like random weapons which can just be fired by anyone, as well as panel buttons which can just launch torpedoes without any unlocking of the screen or anything. I mean, it's not the most secure ship that they've ever built, is all I'm saying. It's fair point. It's fair point. But Murphy's now going to be the security officer, and they decide to put yeah. him in like a hamster ball. Which I, <laughs> I enjoyed the hamster ball, but what I enjoyed even more is when Rock put him around her neck, and we've basically got, like, Tweaky and Dr. Theopol from um, yeah. Book Rogers now. <laughs> I love that. I was just thinking <laughs> I like a kid's papoose, but that's better. <laughs> I, I feel like it's a deliberate nod to Book Rogers. Hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Maybe. Um, and then Jellico makes a return, which, see, that that's a good cameo. That. That's the level of character we want if you're going to bring back past characters. Jellico was always a good officer. Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Riker I mean, was uh, insubordinate. He was. He was an asshole to the rest of the crew. It is really difficult to defend how Riker is in the episode. Like, I want four ships. No, fuck you. I'm just going to stop that and not tell you until it naturally comes up in conversation. Yeah, like... I want a four shift rotation. Means that people only have to do a six hour day. And Riker's there. No, the assholes can do eight. <laughs> I mean, look, look, he could have had a conversation with him, but it might be more shifts throughout the week. But regardless, all he had to do was have a conversation with him going, look, uh, some of the crew have just said this is a problem with shifting to that because they can't make it because of childcare, whatever the fuck issues it was. But instead, he just waits until he finds out. It's like that's that's not the way you bring I up an issue with a captain. If we'd have left Jellico in charge, we'd have had a four-day working week. Everybody yeah. would have been happy. But no, not Riker. Riker wants you working twenty-four-seven. Riker likes it on Bejo because they've got a twenty-six-hour days. Like right, I like that even more. I like that. We'll go to a two-shift rotation. Yeah, this is it. And I tell you what, Data, he doesn't sleep. He can do 24 hours a day. Yeah. Hey, yeah. look, if, hey, if you're going to send me to Riser... this bullshit going and learning comedy. No, I wish he, he had. He doesn't learn you... it anyway. It's fucking shit, Ian. <laughs> if, all I'm saying is if you want me to go to Riser and have a 26-hour day where I'm working all the way through, I am all for it. Beige or not Riser. Oh, I thought you said Ricer. You wish Ricer had a 26 <laughs> maybe hour Maybe that's day. just what I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's just... The wish was the mother of the thought there, maybe. That's it. But anyway, Jellico wants Janeway to destroy the protostar. And they end up going to a spaceport. And Rox now seems to be coming down on genetics as her, her science of choice. I think it's going to be science of the week. We need that. I, I think every yeah. week she has a different science. That's going to be the fun of it. And there's these aliens. Did you that... the stat in the last episode? Yes, briefly. Yeah. There's we um... that again this episode. She's the... going to be a weather girl. Oh, well, that'd be good. She could do like a, what is she it like? Be a... Like Winston Willis and get a tracksuit and run about all over. Yeah, or Michael Fish. <laughs> like you could have an episode where. Rock says, oh, don't worry, there won't be a hurricane. And then next thing, there's a hurricane, and it's like, that's how she gets sort of cashiered out of Starfleet. 
When it, oh, sorry. When you said that she was going to be a weather girl, I thought she was going to re-release It's Raining Men with her <coughs> new version. Oh, that'd be good. That's that's your Christmas number one. Get it. It's come a on. raining muff. Hallelujah. Come on. It's a raining muff. CBS, listen to us. We need it for Christmas number one. Um, the aliens, then. Are these meant to look like them aliens out of Galaxy Quest? Because they do. You know the ones that are on the planet before the big rock monster comes? And they're like, oh, they're so cute, and then they get the fangs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. Thank you, I feel validated now. Yeah. Um, then, this is what you were saying, Squee, about like how we're rattling through the story. We get all this stuff about Dal. And I thought that was going to be, like, season finale before we get any sort of revelation yeah. about that, what I Dal is. a lot of this is a bit of a red herring. Oh. Oh, go on then. Go on. Yeah. Because we get all this, like, we go down and we meet the Doctor on this geneticist. And really interesting. And then it's Stalin and start going, oh, you, you're an augment. You're one of Dr. Sung's. Yeah, and which is, I can yeah. see all this and this and this, and Dal's convinced that it's a science experiment, and he was sort of creating a petri, petri dish. But he had mm -hmm. that memory before of being left by his parents. Oh, so he did. So I think a lot of I think some of this is a red herring. But maybe <laughs> it was like. His adoptive parents are saying, I'm wondering, because you've got Sung mentioned there for a start. That yes, was that amazing. was a nice callback. But, but, but Elliot, like, just let me, let me finish with you. I'm wondering if somehow that links into um, them coming from the future as well. Maybe they uh, met Sung, because it just seems like too much of a coincidence that two of them are now genetically, um, you know, married. I think, weren't, maybe they, weren't they talking about... The thingy sung, the one from Enterprise who did all the stuff with the augments. Was it him? <laughs> yeah, I think so. That, that's what I took from it. Yeah, they okay. said like it's an augment, which it may have started as that, and it may be genetic from a song. But if we've got a song from Enterprise era that started this, mm. we're actually talking hundreds of years in the past. Oh, so it's quite possible okay. that is a species that's okay. that the species that's been created, but that's he can exactly have parents yeah. and they can have a society. Right. Okay. Yeah. So he could be the child of some people who genetically yeah. uh, engineered. He's a child. Yeah, that works. I, I just, I don't know. It just seems like the fact that he's genetically engineered and so's uh, Gwen. I'm wondering if that links mm, somehow because they don't look maybe. That, like there is some similarity to the look. Maybe, maybe kind of Gwen slash the Diviner's species will be what Dal's species evolves into eventually. Yes, that's it. That's the link. So, because if you look What's at Dal, Dal's face is kind of like purple with blue coming outside it, and Gwen has got a purplish nose with blue outside of it. So, like, the colour scheme just seems very similar. Yeah. So, I, I just... It seems too many coincidences not to... Maybe. Uh, then why is it super classified with Starfleet, then? Is that because of the ban on genetic engineering in Starfleet? There you go. Done. Solved. Okay. We'll go with that. And if we're right... But I do think that it being grown in a Petri dish is a bit of a red herring. 
Yeah. Yeah, but you know, going back to Star Wars again, we saw that scene where Ray saw her parents leaving her, and then they retcon that twice over the space of two more movies. So, not yeah, having a dig at the Star didn't Wars. Have a plan. They did not. That's because JJ Abrams came in and went right. First movie, throw a couple of plots in, remake the first one, Star Wars. Done. Right. Let's get another writer in. Not telling any of my plot ideas. Yeah, I mean, genuinely, when I uh, when I heard people theorising about that, I was like, oh, there is no way that they don't talk about this in advance. Then I saw the third film, it's like, no, no, you guys were right. Apparently they didn't. No, Apparently they with this billion dollar franchise, they decided yeah. not to communicate with each other. Definitely did not. Anyway, I do have a theory about the narrative arc of the... Star Wars sequels, but then they brought Rise of Skywalker out and it, it fell apart completely. I do, I do think there is... What the second one does, I think, is really interesting after what was set up with the first one. But it's not paid off in the third one, so it all just goes up yep. in smoke. But anyway... I know exactly what the plan was for the three Star Wars movies. To make a shitload of money. Make Star Wars, make money. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's worked. And then managed not to do part two. True. As much as I'm enjoying the rewarding uh, podcast that we're doing. Yeah, let's get back to it. We've still got another episode to get through. Yeah, so there's cute alien dogs. They're very toyetic. I think we should have plush toys of the cute alien dogs. The Romulans that are after them, there's some really cool skydiving and stuff like that going on. I really enjoy all of that stuff. Yeah, well, that's I love the Star Trek 2009. Yes, it, it is. Yeah. Definitely. And when they said about, like, this is very outdated. At the end of the last episode where the protostar rises up, reminds me of um, the second Star, Wars, Star Trek movie. When it yeah, comes with the... Yeah. Oh, what's it called? Robocop ship. The Daunt not the Dauntless. I can't remember what it was called. But yeah, where there's that whacking great big baddie oh, yeah. ship, yeah. Oh the um Vendetta. Vendetta, yeah. that's it. Um then Dal we find out has had this implant to enhan enhance his dormant G DNA, so we get all this fun with him going a bit Klingon and his intelligence is up and everything, and we get a really cool action yeah. sequence. And then we get Murph in action as well. It's just action all over the shop at the end of this episode. With with the look of uh, of Dal as well, is it just me who thought when they had like the beard and everything, he looked a bit hobgoblinish? I was wondering if that mm. was a little nod to like the fact that they were always uh, alluding to Spock looking like, Ooh, Rob Gobble, could like you be. know McCoy. Could be. I know, it's, it's a bit out there, but it seemed mm. like. He just just really made, reminded me of like a picture of a like a stereotypical devil kind of figure. Which yeah. And there's so many comparisons to anything pointy-eared with Spot with uh, McCoy. And it's that classic sort of the beast within, like the the hero trying to repress their the bestial side and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's all really good fun. And as we all know, as soon as someone gets a beard in Star Trek, they're a bad guy. Well, that's it. Apart from Riker. Have a beard. Riker turned yeah, awesome but... when he got the beard, but... That's true. He's the one... It's the Riker exception, yeah. they call okay. it. Cisco when turned he, awesome when he, when he got a beard. In Defiant, that's when he turned evil. Yeah. Right, okay, new theory. In the prime 
universe if they get a beard in advance they're okay if they get if they don't have a beard then they go to the mirror universe their bearded devil will be evil yeah yes yeah. we'll go with that yeah. um and then yeah we do get this thing with Janeway at the end where she's like who are these kids and it's, it, you can see that she's starting to get a bit of respect for them think that they're actually decent and i feel like that's where the arc's going yeah. well Obviously, i think the big They've beaten off the Telsia. Well, yeah, it takes a bit of doing. Yeah, and you know, you know that like Janeway is going to see, like she, you can tell she can see there's something, there's something else going on. This isn't a simple case of a stolen ship, and I think it's that Janeway smarts which is going to come. Yeah, come definitely. And I, I think yeah, when well, the other guy goes full evil again, because she met Dal, and Dal was sort of like a bit awestruck with her and mm, yeah. wanting to join Starfleet. So I think, well. Why have these kids got this ship? Why are they running away? Yeah. What actually happened on the... And you you know, like, it's a whole thing of, like, when a Starfleet officer look, looks into another's eyes. Like, it, it's never been outright said, but I think it's always been suggested that they can sort of tell what's in someone's heart by looking at them. Yeah. You know, there's this thing, this unwritten thing of, Star, of Starfleet. You yes. know when someone's on the level. Yeah. And Janeway's good at spotting the good in people, apart from Chicote, but <laughs> we won't stand on Chicote. Yeah, and Kim. <laughs> yeah, she, Kim she's oblivious to the good of Harry Kim. Um and he's then, a great ensign. He is a great ensign, that's it. She's like I she's going pegged, she's like, that is yeah. where you are. That is your Peter Principle is That's very well on the ladder. If we promote you, it'll all go terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah, you're a good ensign and you're staying there because I need a good ensign. Like, exactly. Maybe no go one else to recruit for the role. Maybe Harry, maybe go two weeks without dying. Then maybe I'll see about uh, promoting him. <laughs> Sorry. And that's why in all these alternate futures where you see that Harry becomes a captain or whatever, Janeway always manages to reset the timeline again. She's like, nope. 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 <laughs> that didn't happen. It was a dark timeline. Because we all know how uh, timelines work in Voyager. Well, yeah, they just that don't happen. happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the only thing different in uh, Janeway's um, worst of the possible all timelines is just where Harry gets a promotion. That's it. That's all it takes. <laughs> so, the big reveal at the end, then, we've already talked about it. I think we've pretty much covered it all, but... Yeah, there's a version of Dreadnought is there, and it appears that this Trill slash Gwyn slash Diviner no, I'm not slash... this is Gwen. I think it's just another member of his species. Another member of his species. Because you just say, did you think you were the only one who was sent back? Yeah, exactly. So I think she's from the future, but I think she might be a version of Gwyn that is made in no, the future. No, I just think but... that she's a member of his species. Yeah, yeah, I get. I, I mean, I, I do like the idea, though. It would be a wonderful thing to play with if you did have her being an early experiment version of Qu Gwyn. So mm. they get to sort of like face off each with each other. That would be really interesting. Well, we'll find out next week, no doubt. So the outrageous O'Connor, then our bonus Finally. episode. It's not great. It's not. It's not great. It's not. But um, it's better than I remembered. You get Terry Hatcher. I mean, look, he must be doing something right to bed Terry Hatcher along with all the other women of the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, it, it was great for the guy playing the outrageous O'Connor. I'm not not yeah. denying that, but... 
and and they as always just show the second that there's any uh guy they've got to sell is attractive like just troy just oh yeah so ridiculous that she's just like it, it was Lutan again, wasn't it? <laughs> Very much. And then it's like, oh, we'll show that he's a womanizer where he goes, hey, was that a woman's voice I heard? <laughs> and like, really? Are you that hard up, O'Connor, that like as soon as you hear a woman's voice? No, no, no. Apparently, he's not hard up at all. He's well, very, very well satisfied. No, that's it. And episode. as soon as he beams over, he's like, hey, Transporter Chief Terry Hatcher. Like, what if that had been O'Brien? We'd have had a very different episode. Hey, it would just be better LGBTQ representation earlier. True, true. That's funny you should say that, actually, because there is a line in this episode where they're sort of describing O'Connor's crimes and everything. And the guy says, he used my son to steal this thing. And for a second, I thought, oh, they're implying that he's also having an affair with the son. I was like... I was like, wow, that's really progressive for the time. And of course it turns out that isn't the case, but I just I just found it really interesting that that's what I thought. Maybe it's because I'm more accustomed to yeah. watching modern TV now where that sort of thing wouldn't raise an eyebrow. Um, but I, I just found that really interesting dialogue and it's a bit of a shame that they didn't go down that route with it and, you know, just go, yeah, O'Connor's a, a player, he's, you know. No, no. But I, th I think, I don't think the world was ready for it in no. 1988 or whenever this came out. Yeah, this would be 88. And quite frankly, I think looking at that boy child they had playing the... Uh, the, the little yes. guy, I think O'Connor would have broken him, quite frankly. I quite just think possibly. he's... Yeah, he would have been too much for him, too much <laughs> man for him. And then, just to show how cool O'Connor is, we've got Wesley and Jordy just absolutely pissing himself at everything that he says. <laughs> O'Connor, no, wow, This is a good a example guy. of what we were talking about earlier. You are right. bit, don't you think he's a bit of a dick, though, when he comes on the ship and Riker's introduced him to everyone and he just completely ignores Data? Yeah, I, I think O'Connor's a bit of a dick anyway like <laughs> oh my god and by the way any instance in this episode where data doesn't laugh at a joke i fucking agree with him all the jokes are yeah awful. there are no <laughs> funny jokes in this Even episode the, the guy they've got playing the stand-up com comedian is a guy called joe piscopo yeah it's on saturday night live just get him to write the jokes like, like get well him. he doesn't deliver like him well sorry this is a complete <laughs> digression but the the actor the guy playing him joe piscopo a mate of mine I had this like big row with him so he went do you know that Joe Piscopo's in Star Trek and I was like who and he was like you know Joe Piscopo from Casino Goodfellas I'm like that's Joe Pesci he's like no it's Joe Piscopo oh no and he was adamant that <laughs> oh, God. that Joe Piscopo who he thought was Joe Pesci was he in... looks so much alike uh, it, it was just the weirdest conversation. He ended up storming out, like, because I went and got, like, my TNG guidebook and showed him a picture. Like, it's not funny. Like, Joe Pesci would have been brilliant. <laughs> Joe yeah, Pesci I, would have been I, good. I was thinking the other way. I was thinking the other way. Were there on all these films a kind of uh, a comedian at the casino or something? Maybe they just like liked writing him into these things. Well, he does have that big, uh, you think it's funny speech, Joe Pesci. So maybe that's where. 
where the confusion came from, who knows? But O'Connor does commit the biggest crime of this episode, which is where he tells Data about jokes and we get this interminable subplot that they forget about for most of the episode and then randomly go back to it near the end. I mean, and it's it's when they then force Whoopi Goldberg to say, "I'm a droid, you're a droid, and I'm annoyed," and she repeats it like three yeah. times, like and she's the funniest like, shit you've ever heard. She's like, "That's funny, Data. It isn't, Guinan. No, it's not. Whoopi. No, it's not. Data, you're reacting perfectly. You are only training Data to act poorly as a human. If this is it, I mean, you know, Squee, you're a man who enjoys his puns. I am, and occasionally." Some of your puns don't quite land. What? And, and you just this just, is outrageous. Just occasionally. Lander. However, I'm about to give you a compliment because every pun you have ever said is better than the one that Guinan delivers in this episode. <laughs> okay, if I ever have to have a pull quote for any of my work, that's going on. That there. get that on there. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's going on. Meanwhile, um. O'Connor bangs Terry Hatcher, which a, a lot of gentlemen of our age, I think, would be fairly envious of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, for a 14-year-old or however old, however old I was when um, Superman came out. Yeah. Just a little salute to you, to you there. Well, I've got to give that one to you. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. So, well... True well, enough. Yeah, whatever age I was, whenever I saw Terry Hatcher, I salute you. Yeah, okay. so... Just for that one. Yeah, if you've achieved nothing else, O'Connor, you've made a lot of middle-aged men very jealous. So, well done. Yep. Um, Then Data goes back to Guinan. And he's like, right, I'll tell you some jokes. And they are all crap. But the one that she cuts him off on is a racist joke about a Ferengi. Like, he starts with a librarian and a Ferengi walk into it, and it's like, replace the word Ferengi with any any Earth ethnicity, and this scene plays very, very differently. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and they do that all the time because... There's even an episode, a joke which I think you do hear in Encounter at Farpoint, and they reference it in Generations that there was a uh, joke that he got told by Geordie and he just got it because he's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the same kind of thing. It's a Ferengi, a Vulcan, yeah, exactly. and walking to a bar. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's a, so, a lot of casual racism here. Exactly. That, you know, I won't repeat any of it on air, obviously. But that is the equivalent of those blokes you you see in pubs going, here's one for you, here's one for you. And, and it's just horrible. So, okay, Joe Pesquipo teaches data racist jokes. Can I also throw into that? There's also a scene in this film where basically Picard becomes a bit of a bully. But it's, it's mm. kind of subtly done. But if you think about it, it's the scene where uh, you've got Riker and him and they go, it's like, huh, they're pointing lasers at us. Well, maybe we should lower the shields. Why would you do that, Captain? Well, it is protocol. They're basically taking the piss out of Yeah, they are. They're just mugging him off. Like, I just want to point I Like, we've done a few Star Wars references. Yep. And I just want to point out that Star Wars ships have lasers. They do. And this puts it to bed forever. Which is the strongest ships? Oh, well, that's true. Star I'm just Trek. saying, 
I'm just saying when when Starfleet starts going on might is right, it's it's not the most Starfleet. Thing. <laughs> exactly. No, it's pretty bad in it. Like you know, oh, they could shoot us all day, and we wouldn't give a shit. Well, number one, do you want to make me a cup of tea while they shoot at us? Oh, I'm let's do it. I'll tell you what we'll do, number one. Let's both, we'll both go into the ten forward window and we'll get his asses out and we'll just slap them. <laughs> slap them at them. Ooh, have some of this. I'll tell you what, let's put on the view screen and we'll just go, whoa, whoa, every time they shoot. More. Yeah, so, no, bad, bad form, Picard. And then we get that wharf scene where, mm, I would really like to. Now, this that. really annoys me, this whole scene. Because Wolf's sent to find O'Connor, and that's fine. O'Connor's not part of the crew, so if he wants to be a bit funny, and all that, when he when Wolf goes looking for him, fine. But she's an officer on the Enterprise. That's very true. And she's yeah. encouraging this behaviour of him not following orders. Yeah, that I mean, is true. She should be she should be um, brought up on charges later by one mm-hmm. for how she acts. Maybe I mean, she wants. Really I don't think we it, ever yeah. see her again. So, so well, basically, there the you other... go. He airlocked her. <laughs> so, if we establish that O'Connor's just following, you know, his own code of eth- ethics, everyone aboard the Enterprise, especially the female cohort, was shown here, is just randomly sleeping with him. So that's not on him really. And also the fact that at the end he's shown to have been doing this for noble reasons. Really, it's the outrageous everyone apart from O'Connor. He's That's actually a true. guy uh, by the end of it. Speaking of outrageous, there's a bit where they're sort of talking about, well, you know, it's um, he got the daughter pregnant and now the dad's not happy about it. And they go, oh, it's a very archaic, very archaic approach. So is Federation pro-deadbeat dads who just fuck off and leave people pregnant then? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like, I, I, mean, they're, they're, I don't get where I mean, they're going with that. Are they trying to say, oh, uh, you know, women can be sexually liberated as well? Like, that that's one thing. I think where they're but going, I don't think that absolves think men of responsibility for children. I think where they're going is that... Um, just because you get someone pregnant doesn't mean you should get married, which was a very... Which is, yeah. So, sort of right through the 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah, well okay. into the 80s, if you got someone pregnant, you're expected to marry them. I read it, well, I thought, yeah, I think maybe you're right, and that is what they were going for, but the way it came across to me was like, well, it don't matter if you get so pregnant, you don't have to have all to do with her, fucking hell. May, may yeah, I also throw out there as well? That's a very modern attitude, because... It was very much society I know, norms. But... If you got, like, if a, if a, you still had it, if um, women got pregnant and, the, and they didn't get married, that would almost be shunned by the family. Yeah, I get so, that, but the, there's a difference. There's a difference between saying you don't have to marry them and you are free to take no responsibility whatsoever for this child yeah. that you've helped create. You know. There is worse there. You've just completely missed the worst of it, though, guys. There's a bit where they reveal what's actually happening, that it's the prince from that planet has screwed the daughter from yeah, the planet. Yeah, yeah. And still, after they've gone, he go, uh, she goes, oh, maybe I'm not going to marry him. They go, what? You're marrying O'Connor, who we've already established isn't the father, but fuck it, you're going to marry someone. Like, this just, like, I don't care who you marry. You <laughs> yeah, that's a weird one, we're just gonna just pull you out to any old guy. Yeah, it's yeah like bad. at that point, O'Con- O'Connor should be totally let off it. 
Yeah, although I did, the only bit which I thought was kind of nicely done was like, uh, oh yeah, I, I did have your planet's jewel the whole time. <laughs> it slipped my mind. You know, that was quite a nice little time. Yeah, they clearly wanted that to be a, oh, that up, karma. That's the, that's the only outrageous thing he does the whole episode, though. Yeah, that, his hair is pretty out. outrageous. He uses a lot. Do you lot. know, in fact, I, I think it's the treatment he got on the Enterprise which made him even more outrageous and turned him into the guy we see in Prodigy. Uh, uh, yeah, what, bad name. what he actually did was he gouged his own eye out because he watched the next episode, which is loud as a whisper. Um, <laughs> anyway, there's a bit where Wesley talks to him and Wesley's like, oh, I can't imagine, you know, travelling all the time. Like, ooh, bit of irony there, given where Wesley ends up. So. Oh. Wesley even says, it's like, uh, well, I think I know where I'm going to end up. What, you know you're going to be a traveller? What? Yeah, but, you know, obviously unintentional, but I quite enjoyed the, the irony of that. of exploration that goes off on year-long missions. True. Travelling all over the the galaxy. True, 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 true enough, yeah. And I, like, I, I also, it was very painfully obvious, as it was in that Just Say No episode we watched recently. <laughs> I love the fact that what, what? How old is is uh, Will Wheaton there? What, fifteen? Are we saying at yeah. this point something like that? Yeah, Wesley's meant we'll to be about 15. that. We'll say Wesley's fifteen, and he has lines which a ten-year-old should be delivering. <laughs> He's yeah. just so poorly written for. I just feel so sorry for him because Will Wheaton. I think even back then was a decent actor. We've yeah. seen him in Stand by Me, and he was cracking in that, and he's been great ever since. He was just really. Written for yeah, it was, Did you hear the deal they tried to do to get him to stay on the, the um ep- on Yeah, the they were going to promote him to lieutenant. Yeah, they were going to promote him to pay rise. Any pay rise. Tell yeah. you what, Garrett Wong would have taken that in a heartbeat. He'd have snapped their hand off for that <laughs> one, wouldn't he? Yeah, like he, he talked to Will Wheaton later. It's like, you didn't know what you were being offered there. Yeah, that's oh, seven years part. I waited for that deal. We call it the Wheaton deal. Part, though, with- the exchange between O'Connor and Data. Mm. And Data teaches him something like he's trying all this with funny and all that. And then he goes, um, what about love? And Data goes, what do you mean the act of love of love making or being in love? Mm. It's the, the same thing. And O'Connor says straight away, well, it's the same thing. Can but I just know? No, it's not. And he seems to think, no, you're right. <laughs> so Data understands love better than he does. Well, that's because he's programmed for the act, as we know at this point. Yeah. I want to circle back to what James said, though, because it makes perfect sense. You said they called it the Wheaton deal. It's like, did they say that to him? It's like, well, we can make you a uh, lieutenant. Does that Wheaton the deal for you at all? Yeah. Hey, see. That is a better pun than Guinan's. Thank you. So, yeah, at this point, they've more or less forgotten about the subplot. So they just cut mid-scene to insert this scene of Data going back into the holodeck. And, I mean, it's just rubbish, isn't it? It's like they're all laughing at everything he does and he moves his hand and they laugh. And, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how shit are these holograms? They can't program them to react live to... to yeah, and then they go, he, he goes, oh, I'm crap, I'll turn it off. And... And then to wrap it all up, he tells some shit jokes at the end and we almost do a going right back to the TOS thing we were talking about, you know, it's, <laughs> Data. It's also the idea that, like, you know, uh, Data is such an observer of humans. She, he kind of, like, it's such a sophisticated android. But when he sees a comedian, all he takes away is, like, just do that a lot and you'll be fine. 
Yeah, and walk around with a big cigar. I mean, that is quite yeah. funny. Um, yeah, you know what? Prop comedy can be amusing. And I've got a hand of Joe Piscopo. I did love it when he did the Jerry Lewis impression. He, he yeah, was that wasn't a, bad. Uh, physical comedian. That was probably the funniest bit. It'd have been funny, like, if it had got it mixed up and, like... I mean, we know that he told the racist Ferengi joke, but, like... If he'd have gone on and been like, okay, uh, the holodeck programme, here's Bernard Manning to tell you all about comedy data. <laughs> I, knew I it was went to be see him Manning. once, it was awful. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, as you say, and it's at the end, it's like, take my wolf, please. And it's like, also the solution to it, which makes no sense, is like, uh, uh, Riker turns up and goes, shall I engage warp? Please, like you know, like that's gonna stop them talking because you've engaged war. That doesn't yeah, solve it, the situation. Like it gets us out of the episode. It doesn't get you out of your life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the credits come up, you are not done. It's not like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead sort of thing. That'd be quite funny, actually. Yeah. Like what, what the characters do in between <laughs> episodes. Like they just see a big thing that says executive producer Rick Berman, and they're like, oh, guess we're done for now. Then number one. Well, it reminds me of a Rick and Morty episode they did last week where it was, uh, so it was like loads of meta jokes was the idea. So they had to get through the credit sequence without flashing back or something. Nah. It was really well done. But yeah, it seems like that. It's like you realize your life doesn't end when the credits roll. That's not how real life works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, well, don't worry. We've got a, a deaf um, ambassador for you to speak to next week. That'll be a barrel of laughs. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all, with, all, all they would need to add is like, a, yes, yes, number one, crack on. And I just appear from the holodeck going, did someone say drag on? Huh? You see, there you go. The oh, only way it could have been worse. You could have taught data humour so much better than bloody Joe Pescopo. Yeah, yeah, they're going, should I work on loads of intricate routines? No, just wear a dragon suit. Everyone wear a dragon suit them. and say dragon. That would be funny if they did that. Anyway, I think that's the outrageous O'Connor done. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we get. I think we gave that eighteen minutes, and I think that's more. I think that's minutes. sufficient. Yeah. I don't think you need a long time on it. I think it was following on from a two part, two good parts of Prodigy. <laughs> it was just right. The right amount of time you could spend on O'Connor. Yes. Yeah. And like, at least we've covered it now. So we've done it. We we not only cover the outrageous O'Connor. We've done an O'Connor special episode. Exactly. <laughs> this is the O'Connor episode. The um, so before we go, right? Which... I have something I want to point out before oh, we go. Go on. I am not editing the title sequence to put Dottie in as well. We've all seen her behind you, but she's hardly done anything apart from your Well, she's already she's already pissed off because like Willow's got a TV show out today. She doesn't get a TV show. Doesn't matter how much I explain to her that Warwick Davis exists, she's not having it. <laughs> Nor should she. Um but yeah, so next week on Prodigy, who is the crappiest character that could turn up? Loud as a whisper, guy. Oh, no, 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 no. Loud as a whisper. No, not loud as a whisper, guy. That's <laughs> too easy. Loud We've got to have a pretend handicap, Jesus. <laughs> uh, no, not him. I, I, I mean, I just wanted... 
I just want to say it just for your face. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't. I, I'm I, not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, I last watched it probably about 15 years ago. I think it's probably, it's probably the TNG episode I've seen least or tied for that position. If, if it is that, me and Elliot are just going to go on mute and just give you 20 minutes to just sound off. That's it. It's not, I've got no to say about it. It's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. Anyway, we will be back next week. We won't be covering Loud as a Whisper. We will be covering the next episode of Prodigy and finally return to Grace from the Dominion War arc in DS9. Uh, if you Unless want to... something ridiculously obvious that we have to cover because it's... Or someone dies or... If bloody Loud as a Whisper guy turns up, I'm done. I'm... You, you two can record it. You can get someone else on. Get the guy who played Loud as a Whisper guy. He's not busy. Um, Elliot, I think we've established what we're, we're recording any time that Jim's ill. That's <laughs> it. The Whisper special. Bloody too, right. Anyway. Um, yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us, search for Retrek on all the socials. YouTube as well. We're all on there. Does YouTube count as one of the socials? I don't know. Yeah. Well, join our YouTube channel. Join our YouTube channel. Join the Facebook group and join us on Twitter while it's still a thing. Twitter while Twitter's still a thing. Oh, we'll have to get on that other one, won't we? What's it called? Hive. Mastodon. Mastodon. I think there's like two vying for it at the minute. Um, Doctor Squee, you've got the Doctor Squee show. What do you mean the Doctor Squee show? Every Tuesday, six to eight on SW20Radio.co.uk. That is exactly what I meant. Now you mention it. Uh, yeah, this week, uh, next week, uh, I'm going to be putting up Lee Sullivan's uh, interview with me from Squeefest. So it's uh, him talking about working on art for Robocop, uh, for uh, Doctor Who. Um, like, basically, if there's an IP, he's worked in it. He has done comics for everything. Uh, and he's a great artist and a wonderful chap. So please join me for that on Tuesday. Fantastic. And then thanks for trekking with us this time. We will see you next time on the Retrek. Thank you. Bye-bye. L-L-A-P and Dragon!